Welcome to Keep the Main Thing, a podcast of sermons and messages from Pastor Leland Evenson. I'm Mark Evenson. When I saw the title to this message and the date of March 15, 1987, I immediately knew that my mother's illness was once again going to influence this sermon. I felt at the time that maybe I should apologize or at least recognize those listeners who did not know my mother or family some 30 years ago. Because I have to believe at some level, all of this conversation around my mother's cancer and death is getting a bit tiring and a bit stale. But as Providence would have it, at the beginning of the sermon, my father beats me to the punch, admitting to the congregation that he has been making continuous references of my mother in his talks. I found that interesting, but he goes on to explain how God is providing him numerous metaphors and analogies based out of my mother's struggles, which are producing textbook substances for his sermons, which facilitate meaningful and impactful messages. This sermon is a sobering and timeless talk about sin. It is based on King David's Psalm 51. Pastor Lee effectively uses germs as a metaphor for sin, discussing how sin causes infection in our lives, as do germs. Once again, sprinkling his message with analogies that make it easy for us to understand how sin negatively impacts us personally, in the church, and in the world as a whole. It is a pointed message that strikes at the heart for all of us. Yet, of course, he inspires us to remember that God's grace is sufficient, imploring us not to take God's forgiveness for granted, encouraging us to work at being better followers of Christ. He does not mince any words when talking about the dangers of ignoring our sin and justifying even the little sins. Speaking of words, he will use three main words to emphasize his message. It does amaze me the comments I receive from people who love the fact that he used that technique in many of his messages. Please listen to Dealing with Infection, March 5th, 1987. Lord, your grace is amazing. Forgive us when we think of it as anything less. When we think we deserve it, we have earned it, we can purchase it. Lord, how little we know ourselves, how little we understand grace. pray that we may see the cross in a brighter light this morning and so see your love. But before we would see that, help us to see ourselves for who we really are. To see our own need, not that of our partner, someone else in our family, or someone else in the body of Christ to search our own hearts by your Holy Spirit. And the more we search our own hearts, the more we will sing from our hearts and not just with our lips. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Amen.
There's a story that I think was in the Reader's Digest and as I recall came out of a parsonage here in the Twin Cities. It's a story about little Johnny who was coming to the supper table and as had happened before often, mother said, Johnny, did you wash your hands? Johnny looked at his hands and said, no, mother, I didn't. Well, you know what you have to do before you eat dinner. You need to wash your hands. They're not dirty. Wash them anyway. There's germs on them. So little Johnny goes, and in the house they lived, the bathroom was upstairs that some of the older homes had, and only one bathroom in the home. And so as he walked up the stairs to wash his hands, little Johnny was heard to say, germs and Jesus, germs and Jesus. That's all I ever hear around here. And I ain't seen either one of them yet. <laughs> there are a lot of people who haven't seen germs or Jesus and who are sick unto death until we really understand and know the reality of the germ of sin and the reality of the power of grace in Jesus, we are a sick people. Maybe you haven't seen either one of them yet either. This morning I want to use as a basis the 51st Psalm, the Psalm of David, the Psalm that he had written after adultery and murder and deceit and many other things. This, the, the thing that opened up David's life to see himself or who he really was and to see the amazing grace of God that he asked for and experienced in his life. There's a lot of pain and suffering in sin. And David begins by talking about our predicament. And if we think of three words this morning would be predicament, prescription, and practice, spending most of the time on the first word, predicament. He begins in his psalm by saying, For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you're proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I've been a sinner from birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. When you spend 50 hours a month in a hospital, a lot of your illustrations come out of there and you may get tired of all of these and think you're at a medical convention rather than a church service. But since I spend that much time there, I've asked the Lord to give me some illustrations out of that kind of setting. And one of the illustrations he gave me for this morning was the observation of people in a hospital who have a healthy respect and fear of germs and bacteria. As you go there from day to day, you see how careful they are in, in treating this whole idea of infections with the mask and the gloves and uh, the alcohol and the betadine and all of the things that go with it. From the cleaning lady to the nurse to the doctor, there's always a healthy respect, a fear 
of that infection, of those germs, of that bacteria, or whatever may come into that body to infect it and ultimately can destroy it. Even after years and years, one senses no carelessness, one, no lack of that kind of concern. And when they were teaching me a couple of procedures now that I have to do with these tubes that my wife has, the, the thing they emphasized over and over again to me that I would get it into this head that somehow I understood the, uh, the importance of purity and cleanliness. And if to emphasize it even more, when my wife, as most of you know, <clears throat> before coming home the last time, simply had a sample of blood, a prick in her finger, and out of that developed a tremendous infection that affected her body and drained her strength and energy. And, and that helped to scare me into that kind of healthy fear of germs and infection and what it can do to a person's body. If a hospital would get careless in that area, they can have the finest instruments and the best tools and the nicest rooms and everything else, but if they get careless in that one area, they no longer will have a fruitful ministry of bringing wholeness and healing and health back to people. The problem in the church is we have lost a healthy respect and fear for the power of sin, for the germ of this infection. As a result, often the work of the church hasn't resulted in making people whole. Too often we've taught people how to live with their sin, maybe, or in their sin. To, that they are simply maladjusted, that somehow Freud has made all of these things to be blamed on our heredity or our environment. And because we've lost a healthy respect for sin, we often live in a low-grade infection our whole life, and it affects our marriage, our family, our work, our enjoyment of everything around us and in us. Philip Yancey in the last issue of Christianity Today, or the, last, the first one in March, says our society avoids the word. The title of the article is Sin. He says our society avoids the word, but so do many ordinary Christians. Ever since Freud, the idea of behavior as a series of independent moral acts has given way to a much fuzzier image of behavior as a random expression of the vast subconscious. Partly as a result, the concept of sin is in grave danger of extinction in our culture at large. Not so long ago, George Bernard Shaw called the doctrine of original sin the only empirically verifiable Christian doctrine. We thus find ourselves in the schizophrenic position of ignoring the most obvious fact about human behavior, the fact of sin. There's a temptation as Christians, we take it lightly, that somehow our sins are like a series of parking tickets. As long as you don't accumulate too many, you'll get along perfectly all right. 
and we don't understand that we need to treat sin in such a way that even a small infection, even that one jealous thought or that covetous thought or that pride, that somehow that can develop into an infection that simply consumes us. For sin, it says, destroys. Paul talks about those who are dead in sin. And there's a lack among many Christians of a healthy attitude, respect, fear of sin, understanding the holiness of God, the justice of God, the wrath of God, the power of God. Our predicament is that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We're born in sin as David sees his predicament from the earliest he can remember. We don't have to teach our children to lie, to be deceiving, to get angry, to be selfish. It's an inborn gene, so to speak, but it's a gene you cannot breed out of our society or out of people or out of us. It's a very part, it's our root problem. The trouble today in a world we're trying to solve problems without getting to the rut. Used to do a lot of work in Alcoholic Anonymous and take many fifth steps, and they freed a lot of people, but I, I saw that they still didn't get to the basic root problem, and many ended up being what we call a dry drunk, that they weren't happy in their sobriety because until you deal with the original sin and our disposition to sin, one doesn't make people whole and healthy. For my therapy in San Antonio, I go out a couple hours a day when Miriam's at home and I'm nursing her, and I go out and pull weeds. My daughter and son-in-law bought a house a couple years ago, and uh, the lawn was kind of run down, and part of it had a some kind of beautiful vine, but the weeds had taken over, and so I've been out there working. I remember being out there on uh, New Year's Day and thinking this first time I've weeded on New Year's Day. But anyhow, even as now I have finally, on the side of the house, just before we came back on Wednesday, completed this one area, I found that at the other end where I'd started way back January 1st, the weeds, some of the weeds had already started to come back and were looking lovely. <laughs> I hadn't got to the root. Until we get to the root, you see, the weeds keep coming back. We can kind of pull them so people don't see some of the things in our lives, you know. Christians are good at kind of pulling them so no one... But it's the sins, you see, of the heart that Jesus often talked about, the jealousy and the greed and the vanity and the pride and all of that, you see. Pharisees had pulled all the weeds on the outside. We carry our guilt and sin. Guilt is meant to be like pain. It's, it's to cause us to respond, and people carry it for years and years, this whole huge guilt and baggage of sin. When you go to the hospital, they don't treat you 
They don't give you anything to relieve the pain till, they, to, till the pain localizes, till they feel they have a, a handle on what is causing the pain. Because if, if they simply give you a pain pill right away, they will not be able to find the cause. Too often in the Christian church, we, we relieve the pain too soon. We don't lead people into a deep repentance to really see Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my way. See if there be any wicked way in me. We too quickly, I think, relieve the pain by the grace of God. And the root problem remains. We need to have a healthy respect for sin. It says in Hebrews, have you resisted sin to the point of shedding blood? That talks something about the seriousness of sin. That other psalm, which David also, I think, wrote, when I declared not my sin, my body wasted away. Talking to a doctor yesterday, and we talked about how we are intricately put together and that some people have a big, huge chart simply because they haven't come to grips with sin, whether it's resentment or bitterness or something that's happened in their childhood or whatever it is. Even this morning in prayer time before service, we talked about how one part affects the other. And you may think that little infection, that little deceit, that little cheating on the income tax, that little prick in the finger, that little kind of gossip isn't It'll stunt your growth. It'll take away the picture of God. Blessed are the pure in heart. They shall see God. Maybe you're dead in sin. Maybe you have no sense of need. That's our predicament. And David understood it. In the Old Testament, they understood it in a very vivid way. Can you imagine how the children who grew up, you see, with that little pet lamb, and all of a sudden one day dad says it's time to go to the temple, and they take that pet lamb and they have it slaughtered in front of them. How those children must have understood the seriousness of sin in the eyes of God. We are infected, infected by sin. Or is the cancer of it that works in us. And unless we deal with it, we become dead unto joy and peace and purpose and life. Niebuhr, a great theologian of some years ago, said the social gospel has misrepresented the Christian message. We have a God without wrath bringing men without sin into a kingdom without judgment through the ministration of a Christ without a cross. By nature, we are sinful and unclean. A broken and contrite heart and until we see ourselves for who we really are, we don't sing really amazing grace. Chuck Colson had it happen when he went to jail. David had it happen when Nathan came to him and made him look at himself. 
Peter had it happen when he denied Christ. Judas had it happen all of a sudden when it came back on him, the 30 pieces of silver he saw himself. Isaiah had it happen in the temple on a Sabbath, as it could happen for you today. Some people have it happen, the wretchedness of their life, when at some moment they strike their wife or child in anger and they realize the potential, the Mount Helena volcano that's in all of us, you see, because we are all the ground of the foot of the... We all have the same disposition to sin, given the right conditions. Some of us have it happen when we realize our life's gotten unmanageable in terms of a chemical dependency. But until we see ourselves for who we really are in that brokenness, like a layer, like onion, you peel back layer after layer, and the more you peel back, the more you see how Paul said, in my flesh is no good thing. I am the chief of sinners. Till we see that, you see, then suddenly the cross and the blood of the cross and all of that is just a lot of nice words and a nice things and songs. Do you see yourself that what your sin has done and my sin has done and how what it's doing to us if we don't treat it with respect, how it infects us, it affects our joy and our peace and our witness and everything about us. We get by with nothing. David understood that. People say, I wasn't myself when I did that. It's a cop-out. Or people say, I would never do something like that. People who say those things are not in touch with the reality of human nature. Do you see yourself? Has there been a brokenness in your life so you see that it's only by the grace of God that the infection can be taken care of? Have you seen the power of sin that makes you selfish and greedy? How it just, whenever you see you get an infection, you, your whole body is consumed with that. When Miriam had even that infection in her finger, her whole, it affected her whole being. Her thoughts were constantly going to, when we are infected by sin, you see, it narrows our life down. My sin is ever before me, David said. I can't get rid of it. But we go on to the prescription where David understood that too. Cleanse me with hyssop. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. Create me a pure heart. Renew our steadfast spirit within me. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath the blood lose all their guilty stains.
His blood is the right type for every one of us. Each of us have blood that is only matching a few people, negative or positive, A, O, or whatever. But Jesus' blood matches every one of us. It can fight and cleanse the infection from every life here. It's filled with love and mercy for you and for me. Andrew Murray said, God's greatest glory is his mercy. God's mercy is the greatest wonder of his being. I can understand that. Because that was the greatest wonder of my father, earthly father's being. All the dumb things that I did. But there was mercy. I can remember getting, working for a neighbor one spring in high school and getting a, a tractor stuck in the middle of a swamp. And having to go to my father in tears knowing the man I worked for had a tremendous reputation for losing his temper. And my father came not condemning but to bail me and to get me out of the swamp, to rescue me. His mercy, and yet I vowed that I would never by, by any stretch if possible get stuck again because of what he had done for me. I came down to college as a freshman off the farm to see the city. And part of the city then was the Elvin Theater between 7th and 8th, 7th on 7th Street between Hennepin and 1st Avenue North. What we saw there then you can see on TV now. But it so happened in God's pleasure to have a neighbor I'd grown up with at the theater with and I ran into him, and he ran home and told my father about the son going to Christian college and now was at the burlesque theater. My mother warned me what would happen when he came in from chores on that weekend I came home, but he came in, he came in mercy, and yet I sensed also his justice, but in just two sentences I sensed forgiveness in his mercy, and I vowed that I would never go there again. I didn't take advantage of his mercy. And over and over again, as I think of my life, there was a mercy that stuck out, and somehow we need to see in the midst of our predicament the mercy of God for us, his love for us that should cause us not to say, I'm going to go and get stuck in that swamp again or to go to that theater again, but a vow that somehow by his grace and strength, because of his love and mercy, I will not take advantage of it in that way again. What a prescription. The blood of Jesus. I can't understand the full mystery of it. 
There are all kinds of theories of atonement. You can read bookshelves full of the theories, but I know that in the mystery of it, that somehow when I come in my guilt and in my sin, and I come confessing, repenting with a different attitude, seeing it what for it is, seeing it as a poison that infects my life and, and my relationship to others and my, to myself and to the world and to God, when I began to see it in that way, I see that the blood of Jesus does cleanse us. And finally, when we really understand that, David says we practice. We practice it. And so he ends up with these verses. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will turn back to you. Save me from the blood guilt, O God. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. But somehow, you see, the sense that we are in a right relationship, that we understand grace, is that we go on to practice it. We go on to share it. We have a testimony to others. We deliver others out of the darkness because of the confidence we have in the grace and the power of Jesus to cleanse the infection and to change us and to create clean hearts. And to praise the Lord, to come on Sunday mornings and as we do praise, but to praise Him with our lives, as David said, when we once understand the mercy and the love. Are you taking sin lightly? Swiping that little notepad from the office may not seem like anything big, but it can be that pinprick. That magazine that you duck and buy when you're out of town on business and hide away may not seem like that much, but it can be the pinprick. <clears throat> the movie that you watch on TV the jealousy you have towards someone else in the body who is functioning in some way. It can be a pinprick, the pride. We need to see it for what it is. To like the medical field, have a, they have a healthy respect for germs and bacteria. So we need to take that attitude towards sin. It's a beautiful story. I think I shared it on Christmas Eve, but it fits so well in Lent. I want to close with that. It's a story about a neat young man who went to West Point, gifted, sharp. He was a leader, and so he went over to Vietnam and was a, an officer and led a battalion of troops. And one night they were overtaken by a battalion of Viet Cong. He'd been able to keep his men from ambush and death till that night, and that night they were overtaken and they all got to safety except one man who was lying out there in, in the bushes and he began to holler and to scream for help and that he was wounded and they could hear him moaning and crying but they also knew the Viet Cong were just using him as bait to get some out of their safety and so they stayed in their trench for a while and pretty soon the lieutenant couldn't stand it and so he went and he crawled over there and he pulled the man back and just as he got the wounded man into the trench he got a shot in the back and he was instantly killed. 
He'd given his life. Sometime later, when the man had recovered and came back to the States, the parents of the dead officer heard he was around and invited him over for dinner. And so he came over. But as he came, he was drunk. And he spent the whole evening telling off-colored jokes, and talking about himself and bragging. No concern for what their son had done or what the parents were going through, just completely into himself. But they tried to be nice and to treat him kindly, and finally the evening ended and the torturous visit was over. And as he went out, the husband closed the door and the mother collapsed in tears and cried to think our precious son had to die for somebody like that. That soldier owed those parents the best, the best that was in him. How horrible to give such little thought to what they had lost the price that had been paid for his life. His ingratitude was beyond comprehension. But Tony Campola goes on to say, before we criticize too quickly, Jesus died for us, and yet we continue to behave obscenely. We owe him something better. We fail to deliver what we should. We fail to reflect upon the cost of our salvation. If, if we did, he says, our lives would be radically different. The suffering of God didn't end on Calvary, and I hadn't really thought of that in that way, but the sins we commit here and now still bring suffering and pain to Jesus. Certainly he paid the price once for all, but the ongoing sin, as it says in Hebrews, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. That even now when we sin, we give pain and suffering to Jesus. If only we'd reflect how much our sin hurts him. We would give it up. Germs and Jesus. Germs and Jesus. Are they real to you? Or are you like your little Johnny? Have you seen the germ of sin and what it's done in your life? How it's taken away the vision of God, the joy of salvation. Maybe you've never really known Jesus. Maybe you have been dead in sin, and today you're beginning to see yourself for who you are. You can come and kneel at the end of the service and know the burden and the guilt and sin can be lifted. And the power of his life in us can raise our immunity so we don't have to live in sin but can be delivered from its power. And day by day, to be aware of those little infections, those little sins that somehow we think will not affect us. Amazing grace. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Amen. I hope Pastor Lee's message, Dealing with Infection, has you not only thinking about keeping a clean house, but also keeping a clean heart. May we not feel any more guilty, but be ever more inspired. 
and certainly grateful for the grace and forgiveness we receive from our Father in Heaven. Speaking of grateful, always thankful for the help I get from Lee, G, and Spencer, and for my sister and brother, Sean and Scott, who have been so supportive in building up and growing this podcast. And thank you to the listeners who have reached out to us and shared their comments. We very much appreciate you taking the time to let us know that you are listening and enjoying Pastor Lee's sermons. Be sure to check out our website, keepthemainthing.com. Until next time, may Jesus show his love and mercy to you and your family in an even bigger way. Thank you. Thank you.